watch out everybody. I said, remind me what time you finished, whatever time you finished. So, <laughs> but my, my stomach will tell me when it's, it's time to stop, so that'd be okay. Okay, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. And uh, I, think, I think God's favor me on Chester because it's about an hour's drive from Bolton for the first 50 minutes or so. It's absolute thick fog. But as you approach Chester, the sun is out. God's, God's favor is on you here. So uh, we, we've actually been in Bolton for uh, 25 years this month, actually. We, we're originally uh, from down south, the other side of London. And uh, the Lord really very clearly and uh, unexpectedly uh, called us up to Bolton when our, our children were very small. And uh, I have to say, my first response wasn't, yes, it was, oh no, you know, <laughs> what does this mean? But uh, it's so clearly been what the Lord has wanted. Um, as, as you would know, in a, in a church plant or a youngest church, uh, nothing is straightforward. And in fact, I think in a bigger church, nothing is but, but uh, you know, if the Lord has called you to something, uh, then you, you can stick at it with confidence because it's not about us, is it? It's about, it's about him. Uh, so we, we've got a couple of children. Uh, like I said, they were very little when we moved up. They're now in their sort of mid, mid-late 20s. Uh, one's married, the other we're praying for a partner. Uh, that's going to come along soon, I'm quite, I'm quite sure. And uh, again, in, in our church at Bolton, you know, like, like yourself... Uh, you, you, have to, you have to fight for every step, but God's blessing us. We're in a good place now. And I just want to encourage you, you know, coming to this place here as a, as a really lovely feel. And, it, and it's, it's more than the carpet and the lighting. It's, it, it's you guys. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a good spirit in this place. And so I, I want to encourage you, don't take that for granted, but, but see that as, if you like, um, as a, a, a doorway for you to come really hungry week by week and, and say, you know, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? Uh, what more things do you want to do in your church? Because uh, the Lord wants to take us to places, actually, that we've not been before. So we're, we're not quite sure what those new places are because they're beyond our experience. But that's the sort of God that we worship and who's with us. He's so much bigger and so much better than we can imagine. Okay, you can see uh, that this morning I felt that uh, I wanted to talk about knowing and living in our authority in Christ. And uh, here's a, a verse that will be familiar to most of you from Ephesians 6, our struggle. Uh, do, do you struggle sometimes or you, you sort of sail through life? No, you struggle. Right, that's okay, whether it's family, work, stuff inside yourself. It says, our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, meaning actually the real enemy is not me, <laughs> to myself, or those people who, who annoy me, whatever it might be. No, that's not really our struggle. It says it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so you can see I've highlighted those words, authorities, powers, forces. So it's really important that when you approach the things that might uh, be coming against you or the things that you're finding hard, that, that, that we understand that our flesh and blood, whether it's us or other people, that's just the visible part of the battle. 
And if you really want to see victory, if you want to come into all the good things that God has got for your life, we've got to see that the battle is won or lost as we recognize and confront the authorities, the powers, the spiritual forces of evil. So I'd say to you right from the start, if we don't possess the weapons for this battle, if we don't have sufficient firepower, if you like, to fight against these authorities, then, then just give up. <laughs> What's the point? You know, we're, we're, I'm just me. We're, we're just a bunch of, of weak people. We're, we're coming up against authorities, rulers. If we don't have the weapons, then, then let's really not bother. But that's not what I'm preaching. I'm encouraging you that you have a lot more in your hands than you realize. We do have those weapons. We do have that authority to fight. So we need to recognize the battle. We need to understand our weapons. We need to learn, which is a lifelong process, how to fight that battle. What I want to say to you, first of all, is that to reign, to be in charge to be in the victorious place is actually normal for the Christian. It it is a normal thing for us to attain for. Now, here's a contrast in this verse in in Romans. It says there's two categories of people in this world. Those who are in Adam, that's the one man it talks about at the first, and those who are in Christ. So, uh, when you came into this world... Uh, The way that God sees you is you're part of this mass of humanity which the Bible describes as being in Adam. But when you believed, when you put your faith in Jesus, when you gave your life to him, God transferred you, he lifted you out of that and he put you somewhere far greater in Christ. And that is what this passage is talking about. If by the trespass of that one man, Adam, death reigned. Okay, now see again, I've highlighted Death was in charge. We were under the authority of death, whether we realized it or not. If death reigns through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And then jumping ahead a few verses where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as before in Adam, sin reigned. Sin was in charge, leading to death. Just as before sin reigned in death, so now also in Christ, grace is reigning through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So I want to encourage you right from the start that if you are in Jesus, this is your birthright. This is your inheritance. That all these things that from our our starting point of our experience, our weakness, that that press in on us and we feel, I'm just trying to get my head above the water. Actually, God says, I have placed you somewhere where you're in charge. Grace and righteousness are in charge, working in your life. No longer you under the cosh, but you holding the cosh and telling this stuff that previously kept you under, that that stuff no longer is in charge of us.
Okay, so again, look at the words here. Reigning talks about being in charge. Subduing hostile forces. Okay, if there's any, um, it, you know, it's very normal, isn't it? Countries around the world that, that if there's some sort of authority, it gets challenged whether that be in a sort of democratic sort of situation, a peaceful situation like we're at, or more of a war zone. Right? People want to be in charge. Somebody needs to be in charge. And this is telling us who can be in charge. And the contrast is this. Yeah, before Jesus, sin and death were running things. But after Jesus, grace and righteousness are now in charge. And we are in Christ. So reigning in life is the new and expected norm for every one of us. And I just want to say, it's a little bit of a PS, but this will be a whole sermon in itself. This is not just about getting rid of the bad stuff that is trying to run our life and take us over. That's what we're conscious of. We're conscious of our weakness. We're conscious of these circumstances that we find hard to manage. So if I could just get rid of this, if I could just get rid of that, everything would be okay. Actually, that's far too small. Because what I just want to say very briefly is what it says here in Ephesians. That you are God's workmanship. And the root of this word is like poem or handiwork. God has written some beautiful thing that is called your life. Like that word that we had of you are beautiful. That's not arrogance. That's what God says about you. He made you. He, he wrote the symphony of your life. He wrote the beautiful poem that is your life. And, and it's, we're conscious of the stuff, we, the bad stuff. But God says, oh, think bigger than that. Think bigger than that for this church, for your marriage, your, your individual situation. There's fantastic stuff that God has prepared for you to do in your life. And this should be our goal. This is our horizon. This is what the Lord wants to help us into. Now, the reality is that very often we don't have this perspective or mindset. You know, we're conscious of our weaknesses. We're conscious of our, our, our bad reactions to things. And I just want to say again, even as we're beginning to grasp these truths, it's a battle. It's not a matter of ticking a box. Oh, I know that fact now. We've got an enemy. And actually, the biggest thing the enemy wants to do is to stop you from realizing that all this stuff can be yours. And he'll lie to you, and he'll accuse you. Say, who are you to have this stuff? <laughs> you know, who, who do you think you are? You're, you'll never change. All these sort of thoughts that come into our heads. You know, that not every thought in your head is your thought. The enemy might uh, mimic your voice. He might mimic your thoughts, but often it is him. And it is a battle. But we have the weapons. Let me remind you of what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What is it about a thief? The thief doesn't have the legal authority, but it will still have a go. The person who breaks into your house doesn't own that house, but if there's a window left open, he'll try and get in. And so here are these two things. You're in charge because of what Jesus has done for you, which we're going to unpack. But the enemy will still try and kid you that he's in charge. And he won't just say, oh, yeah, oh, this person's a Christian. Now, oh, dear, I've got to leave them alone. 
he will say, no, I want to do everything I can to try and stop this person getting hold of their inheritance. Because he knows when you get hold of your inheritance, this world will change considerably. And your life will change considerably. But the enemy is like uh, uh, somebody uh, walking on the streets at night, like you sometimes see in these, these little videos on, the, on these sort of police programs, you know, looking for an open window or trying car doors. And you've got to know that if you leave your door unlocked, the door of your life or the window of your life, some aspect where you're, uh, you know, you're just playing around with God or you're, uh, you know, you're not covering something with prayer, he will do whatever he can to try and get in and muck things up. But the good news is this, you have the authority. You have the authority to keep him at bay. Now, I'm going to take a few steps back to help us to understand the big picture of how we got into this mess in our lives and in this world, but then also how uh, Jesus coming along, like we sung in every song here, changes everything. I'm going to go right back to creation. Because did you know that you were made with authority? This isn't something which is like it's a new idea for the Christian. When you become a Christian, you're regaining what God already wanted you to have. So let's read what, what this says here from Genesis chapter 1. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule. Here's that word again, that, you know, words of reigning, ruling, authority over the fish and the sea, etc., etc. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Be fruitful and increase, subdue it, rule. So did you know that God's purpose for you individually, for us as people, as humanity, was that we, in peace and in love, ruled over this world and ruled over the spiritual powers of darkness. That's how you're made. Forget what you feel like. Forget what your experience up to this point is. God made you to rule and to reign. Now, the understanding, of course, is not to boss everybody around, but to serve in love. I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from there. But you're made in God's image. God is absolutely, totally, forever and ever in charge. He knows all things. He's in charge of all things. And he said, I'm going to make these people in my image, like me. Now, there's, there's loads to those verses that, we, uh, that, that could be unpacked. But in this subject we're talking about, he's made you to represent him. He's not walking this planet at the moment. You're the ones walking this planet. And he has delegated his authority to you. That's how you were made. <laughs> you are here to implement God's godly rule. Now, sadly, talking about Adam, talking about us in Adam, we gave that authority away. We were designed to implement God's delegated rule, but we gave away that authority. We gave away that honor and that freedom, that beauty with which God made us through our pride, through our independence, 
through our sin. And don't go around blaming Adam. So, well, if Adam hadn't done it, I'd be no problem. I tell you, just be grateful that it wasn't you who was the first person created. All right? If I was first person created, it would be oh, in Rob all the sin, because I would have made at least as bad mistakes. And I think if you're honest with yourself, so would have you as well. But the question is this, right? Here's this authority, if you like. I can imagine it like a little parcel. Here's this authority. By our sin, we gave it away. Who happily received it? Who happily took hold of that authority and has been trying to run the show ever since that happened? You can probably guess. It's Satan. It's the devil. It's this enemy that we are fighting against. Before Jesus went to the cross, he described the enemy in one place as the prince of this world. And uh, elsewhere, in uh, 2 Corinthians, he's described as the God of this age. And you remember the passage where Jesus was tempted by Satan? And Satan himself said that the domain, the dominion, the rulership of this world had been given over to him. And Jesus said, no, it's not. Did he say that? Do you know that passage? Jesus didn't argue with that. Let's read this. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor because it's been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. Oh, if you worship me. It will be yours. So God, in the beginning, in creation, delegated his authority to us. But we gave it away to Satan. What a daft thing to do. How are we going to get it back? Satan's powerful. Satan's now the one in charge. He's holding the over us. We aren't in charge. We don't have the upper hand. Remember that verse from Romans, we're under the rule of sin and death. How are we going to get back to how God intended it to be? Fortunately, God had a master plan all along. And our authority is restored in Christ. So just, uh, that's better. Here's uh, right back just after we first gave away that authority in Genesis, God was already saying, your time is numbered, Satan. So in this passage, God is speaking to Satan, and he's looking ahead down through the generations to Jesus. So he says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he, that is the woman's offspring, someone to come down the ages, Jesus will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Satan thought he'd won when he crucified Jesus. He'd only struck his heel. You can get over that. Get off, get off. You can get rid of somebody striking a heel. And Jesus, when he rose again, crushed Satan's authority, crushed his head. So here... It's the amazing thing that we've been singing about in so many of these songs. At the cross, Jesus, who came as a man just like us, part of our humanity, 
part of this flesh and blood, exactly the same as you and me, with one great exception, that he didn't sin. He came to represent you. That's why, one of the reasons why Jesus had to come as a man, because he had to represent us. We were in this position of hopelessness, of no authority, under the cosh of Satan. It was only coming as a man that he could ensure that the price was paid and that position of authority won back. And that is exactly what he did. When he died, as it were, you died. All the sin, all the punishment that should have been on you and me was piled on Jesus' shoulder. All of it was paid for. All the authority was won back when he rose, when he was exalted, when he was glorified. Don't think that Jesus now is like you see on the outside of Catholic churches, still hanging there on the cross in weakness. That did happen. That is absolutely true. What is the picture that the Bible paints for us now of who Jesus is, where he is, what he's doing? It's this from Revelation. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Now hold on to those word keys. I'll talk about that in a second. And then again, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. And as you can see there, I've indicated, because it's talking about King David from the Old Testament. So it's like uh, talking about kingly rule, kingly reign. He's got the keys, and what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Think about it. Who's got the authority to get in this building in the beginning of the morning? The one with the keys. Nobody else can get in. You've got the keys. You've got the authority. In in earlier days, we used to rent schools. And uh, you know who really holds the power in a school? It's not the head teacher. It's the caretaker with their bunch of keys. Jesus is the one with the keys. What he opens, the things that he enables, no one can can prevent. No one can shut that door. And if there's some darkness, some evil that he wants to shut and deal with and lock away with these keys, nobody can ever open that door again. So we have been given the right in Jesus, through what Jesus has done, to regain our God-given authority and to learn to walk in it once more, as was always God's original design for you. You were designed to walk in authority and honor and freedom. Jesus won it back for us on the cross. It says in Colossians that having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them. Oh, look at them, triumphing over them by the cross. There's that, that, that language again that I've highlighted. Powers and authorities that were over you. I'll take that, he says. You are disarmed. You have a disarmed foe. Now, Satan is still a powerful foe. He should not be underestimated. But in Jesus, we can now rule with the authority that we're always created to do. Jesus himself said this, I have given you authority. You are powerful in God. 
You are in charge. Jesus, remember, said in uh, Matthew 28, all authority has been given in, on, and on earth has been given to me. He, he didn't stop there. He said, therefore, you go. You are sent out with that authority from Jesus. You have that delegated authority that it talked about in creation, now won back. You can rule. You can reign. And thinking of what we said about the keys, he says it again with keys. I'm giving you the keys. <laughs> Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. In other words, when you pray a prayer about some situation, about some person, about something the enemy is trying to do, it, there's, there's, the sound comes out of your mouth here on earth. But there's something happening and something shaking in heaven as well. Your prayers aren't just words that go just as far as the ceiling. Your prayers before God carry weight in spiritual realms and spiritual authorities because you are holding the keys. God has given you the keys. We have a tendency to say, oh God, please could you do this? And, and there are places where we should pray that sort of prayer believe in this sort of like authority, sort of warfare situation. God, God says, no, no, hold on, you've missed something here. I've given you the keys. I'm giving them to you so that you know what needs to be unlocked and opened and so that you know what needs to be locked and shut. Your prayers, your words, your actions, your declarations are the, carry the authority that I have delegated to you. Don't ask God to do everything for you. That's like a little child, preschool sort of child, who says, oh, mum, would you do this? Dad, would you do that? Can you do my shoelaces for me? Or these days, can you do your Velcro for me? Uh, does, do, do you still do that? Do you still ask your, your aged parent to do your shoelaces for you? No, you've learned to do it yourself. I hope. And it's... This is what it is in, in the Christian life. God, God wants us, I mean, it's very kindly, God wants us to grow up. God wants us to learn maturity. God wants us to learn how to manage things. He wants to teach us how to pray. He wants to teach us how to confront situations. He's given you the keys, and he wants to train you how to use them. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. As I'm coming to finish, I'm just talking about practical application here because you will well realize that though I believe every word that I've, I've said to the best of my ability is from the Bible. Unfortunately, just because I'm holding the keys doesn't mean that everything in my life suddenly sorts out all right. <laughs> Let me give you like a little example back to actually when we were called to move from the south up to Bolton. God spoke to us so clearly. So I thought, oh, well, God has spoken. Oh, everything will just open up, you know, like the Red Sea parting before us. And, oh, it didn't work out like that. Okay, and, and that is like a, a little microcosm of what our lives and what our church life is like. We've got the keys, but the enemy will still try and resist We'll still try and kid us that he's in charge. 
And he will just try and oppose us at every step. And we learn to learn to stand firm. We need to keep we need to learn how to persevere. Uh, let me give you some examples of this. Personal holiness. Whoever prayed one prayer of repentance about whatever particular thing is you might struggle with, and then suddenly after that one prayer and that one occasion, oh, I'm never tempted by that anymore. Is that your experience? Of course it's not. Whether it's that or whether it's some community thing, you know, you're trying to establish a culture of the kingdom here in the way that you relate to each other, uh, in, in your, your, your friendships and the way that we relate together to God. Our weakness, our sinfulness, let alone the encouragement of the enemy, will try and challenge that. Well, we have to learn how to gain and to hold ground. And, and in my experience and others' experience, there are, there are particular things that the enemy will challenge, anything which is to do with advancing. So if you're just like lounging around in your Christian life, whatever that looks like for you, you're, you know, Satan's not, not worried about that, somebody are just lounging around. But if you're trying to be holy, or if you're trying to, say, start some new outreach ministry, or whatever it, it might be, uh, if you're... Uh, in a leadership position, the enemy will, at every step, try and challenge that. It is a battle. It is a battle. He'll try and distract you. He'll try and, try and get you back to your nice, comfy lounge seat. Worldly attractions. Get you, get you away from what the real issues are. Ease and entertainment. Yeah, take back. Take, just sit back. You know, don't worry about all this battle stuff. But if you are serious, the enemy will try and oppose you. But you're on the winning side. I, I, and I just want to challenge you there this, at this point. This isn't in my, in my notes. But actually, let me ask you the big question. What sort of Christian life do you want? Do you want to sort of sit back, take it easy, Christian life? I like an easy life. <laughs> but, you know, whatever age the Lord has got for me to pass on into glory, I think I'd regret it when I get to that point of my life if all I'd done was to like take the nice bits and not bother to fight the battles. And I think you'd regret that too. And I think you've got to decide the course of your life. You know, it's not one decision, and like I said, and everything's suddenly okay. But we've got to decide whether or not we want to go for the things that God has got in store for us. And that's different ones for different things for different ones. But you've got to decide to go for it. You've got to decide to be a nuisance to the enemy. You've got to decide that you want to fulfill the purposes of God that you were designed for and created for. So as you make the right decision there, we've got to keep praying for insight, wisdom, discernment as to the different ways that the enemy tries to fight us. And I have to say, looking back, particularly in the course of our time in Bolton, we had all sorts of things happening in our family life and in church life that we were, oh, why, why has this happened? How, how did that happen? Why is it not like, like, like this? And I'll tell you, you know, like we, we always believed in the devil, but we were really ignorant about his tricks and the sort of thing that he, he, he did. And we're much better at recognizing and discerning things now. And, and we've got to pray and help each other 
in that wisdom and discernment. What, what is the enemy's strategy in this particular situation? And we need to apply that work of the cross that Jesus has done. We need to take back the ground that the enemy has stolen. Right? He's squatting now. He has no authority, but he'll squat there as long as you don't get rid of him. As long as you're just taking it easy, he'll say, that's okay, I'll hang around then. And we have to learn how to take hold of that authority and get rid of him in whatever way he's trying to muck up our lives or our relationships or our church or our outreach. Let me just give you three examples. Uh, A a church one. So about um, four or five years ago, we, we had a really, really difficult situation in church. Uh, the most... Uh, difficult situation I've ever had to face as a Christian and as a leader. There was a particular person who uh, we didn't realize was really being used by the enemy. I think they were born again, but they were really being used by the enemy to cause disunity, disruption, to undermine undermine leadership. And uh, we we were slow in realizing what was happening. But when we did, it was it. it um, I know most of you have been to the Devoted weekend in the summer. So four or so years ago at Devoted, um, we we stood together and uh, Joseph and Wheeler from Zambia. Again, some of you would have seen him at Devoted. He he was helping us, and uh, and we stood together as as a leadership team. And uh, we weren't praying against this person. We were trying to love that person who was causing trouble. But we stood against what the enemy was doing, using, unwittingly using that person. We said, we are not having this. We are the authority over this church. Uh, Enemy, go. You have no right to stay here. You have no right to do this. And we had a good prayer time. And we... No idea what would happen, really. You know, there were no thunderbolts from heaven. Uh, it was all quiet. The children were still playing outside. Two weeks later, this guy left the church really unexpectedly and, in fact, left the whole town. Oh, I tell you, we were rejoicing. We were rejoicing because we took authority. We prayed. We commanded. And the enemy knew that he didn't have any ground. Let me give you a personal situation, and I know there's some great testimonies have come out of your congregation here. So a lady testified, um, I think it was maybe about March, a few months ago, earlier uh, in this year. Um, she, she shared on Sunday morning, and uh, she'd got a, a really bad history of control through her family. Her mum and dad really trying to control her behavior, even though she was in her 20s. Uh, as a result of this, she suffered hugely from depression and anxiety. Uh, she was so brave and honest as she shared this testimony. She, she said about, about having self-harmed. She said about having suicidal thoughts. Uh, she said in 12 years, she'd slept for no more than two hours a night. Uh, and, and she's got a family, and she's trying to hold down a job. Uh, and I don't think any of us, Helen and I included, realized quite how, how bad it was. But over a period of time, Helen and others had, had spent time with her, helping to identify like, what were the, the, the sources of, of all this bad stuff. Uh, you know, in her case, it was to do with the family relationships and, and the way the enemy sort of piggybacked uh, those wrong relationships and was keeping her locked up. And so that she'd had several prayer times over maybe a year or so. But, but you know, God works in different ways at, at different times. So she said for her, suddenly she said, you know, she could feel she was like, stepping forward, inching forward. Suddenly she said, I woke up one morning 
and everything was gone. All these negative things that had weighed her down. And, and uh, she said that, that night I, I slept for, I think it was 12 hours. Uh, and she's not had any problem with, with sleep since then, I, I believe. Right, so whether it's a church thing, whether it's an individual or a family thing, God wants you not just to be free of, of rubbish stuff, but to come into all the good things that he got, he got, has got in store for you. Uh, we wish you had more time to talk about our family testimony. I don't know if any of you came to the Spiritual Warfare Life Zone it devoted. Helen shared some of our family testimony. Honestly, we thought we were just a regular family, you know, nothing particularly special about us. But uh, five or so years ago, just all sorts of things began to happen after Helen's dad died. Uh, all sorts of spirits that had been working one generation after another. See, God wants to bless from one generation to another, like a waterfall cascading down. The enemy wants to counterfeit that and keep us trapped from one generation to another. And the Lord began to reveal all sorts of things, especially in Helen and in our our daughter Ruth, uh, things that we never realized that we needed to be set free from. And, And hey, we've been a Christian a long time, And we've been leaders a long time, and we still needed setting free. We still needed revelation. We still needed God to do new things. And Joseph from Zambia, again, was helping us with some of these things, and his wife, Lillian. And um, uh, I I will just say one thing, so you see the seriousness of it. The way it first manifested itself is that our daughter was losing her ability to speak. Uh, It got to the point where I could barely understand what what, what she said. And so we were focusing on, oh, we need to get rid of this. She needs healing. We need to put this right. And then, then, okay, some spiritual thing. We need to pray against this bad spiritual stuff to get her voice restored. And and Joseph said to us again, your your vision is far too small, guys. And he he reminded us of, of, uh, like it said in Ephesians, about us being God's poem, God's handiwork. And he, he said, no, what's really happening here is that God wants to bring your daughter into all the amazing things that he has prepared for her, all the destiny for which she is created. And it's, so it's not just get rid of this, get rid of that. It's coming out of those things so that we might come into all the glorious stuff that God has got for us. So let me say, what about you? Do you know who you are in Christ? Are you learning that? Are you learning how to exercise that authority? Maybe this is the first time you've realized it. That's fine. If you've realized it today, fantastic. Praise God. You can get going with that. Rather remember than saying, oh God, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? He says, I've given you the authority. I've given you the keys. What about you? Are you learning to exercise that authority? Or is there some sort of breakthrough that you're looking for? Uh, A work situation, a family situation. This, This is not just like for church meetings. This is the whole of life. You can command a mountain to move. Like we prayed as that little leadership team, and this guy left. Whatever it is, as you seek to obey God's word, as you, as you ask God to renew your thinking so you realize who you are in Christ, is there a breakthrough that you're looking for? God wants to give you that breakthrough. Or is there somewhere, something where the enemy is keeping you 
locked up and you've done your best and you've really tried to break through. You've been, you've been honest before God. You're not trying to hide away from something, but you just know you still feel trapped and you can't change. Well, the good news is this, that Jesus came to break every chain and to set every captive free. And as we learn how to use what he's given us, you will be free. You will be different. So here is God's purpose for us, is to reign in life and to be fruitful. We've got to rise up and take hold of things and learn how to be everything that God has created us to be. Now, I just had a few things. Uh, Helen might have one or two more. I don't know. Uh, she has got one or two more. I, I think it's so important that we, we start to like, ground things and make things, things real. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm a, a teacher, um, a Bible teacher, if you like, by, by my main gifting. And uh, my, my, a lot of my history has been, as, I, as you're told, stand up, speak up, and then shut up. Um, but I've realized now, actually, that falls short of things. And uh, we're, we're learning how to apply this. So, so I'm learning how to listen to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I might not have got this right in every way. But I just want to say a few things that I felt, as I was praying beforehand, God speaking to me, which might be for one person here or might be for a few people here. And um, it, uh, each one, I'm going to ask, if that applies to you, could you just put your hand up? I'm going to come ask you to come out to the front or single you out or anything like that. But I think it's very important that, that we respond to something. When you put your hand up, as it were, it's like saying, yeah, God, I want it. It's like a sign of your heart. It's a sign of your hunger. It's a sign of your eagerness. I felt God showed me a picture first. And uh, I was looking up at this big fortified castle that was all locked up. And I was locked out. But then Jesus came along with a big key, and he let me into that castle. And then he showed me around all the different rooms and halls and everything like that. And as I went around, I noticed like my name was in lots of different places, a sort of family name, like family quest and things like this. And Jesus says, don't, don't you realize this is your castle? <laughs> you, you thought you were locked out. But actually, this is, this is yours. A bit like that picture of the, the dream with the, the vistas. God, God says, I'm giving this to you. And, uh, and, I, and he's saying, like, I'm giving you the keys to take possession of it. And I wondered if there's some people who you feel locked out of your own life. You feel like someone or something else is running your life instead of you. And, and Jesus is teaching you who you are and with his help to how to run your, your own life. Uh, now, that could apply to lots of things. Uh, you can put your hand up if you feel that applies to you in, in some way. That's one or two. Three, any, okay. Don't be, don't be backwards in coming forwards. That's great, okay? You can just put your hands down and hold that. Well done. Well done for responding. Uh, now, this second one, and actually, after the meeting, uh, we, Helen, I would like to pray for you if this is, if this is you. Uh, I felt God saying that there's somebody who is, you feel tormented in some way because there's voices that you're hearing in your head. Uh, that would be quite a brave thing um, to respond to. 
Would anybody like to respond to that? I do believe there's somebody here who hears voices. Thank you. Well done. That's, uh, this is your first step to God helping you to get free. Uh, thirdly, I, I saw a sort of picture in my mind of somebody who, who might be a lady. Okay, now don't worry about details. You're best to approach, right? Because the word, the Bible does say we hear in part. We prophesy in part. In other words, we see some sort of shadowy details. We don't necessarily see everything. So if you think, well, that's nearly me, just, just go for it. Um, but I, it might be a lady, but if you're a man, don't rule yourself out. And I think you need some sort of restoration of a family relationship with a, with a female family member, whether it's, it might be a mum or a sister, possibly an aunt, and there's been a strained or broken relationship and, uh, and you'd really like to see that restored, and God wants it restored. Just, can anybody identify with that? Great stuff. Thank you. You're encouraging me, right? I'm hearing from God. <laughs> uh, two more to come. Somebody who is in a difficult work situation. I don't know what the difficulty is in the work situation, but the Lord wants to reveal to you key things about the people and the situation so that with that revelation, you know how to pray and how to change that situation. And anybody in a difficult work situation, excellent, great. And finally, um, somebody, I, I do realize that this is quite a common thing, but I think God still said it. Some people who are not sleeping well um, because of, of some sort of emotional turmoil going on. Definitely got one, yeah, great stuff. Right, Helen, did you want to, is there another mic? Use this one. But yeah, um, I just asked the Lord in worship what he wanted to say. So I, I, um, I, I felt uh, the word loneliness come to mind. Um, and you may not be the sort of person, if you looked at your life, you might think, oh, but I have got friends and I have got... Uh, maybe you might even be married, but actually you just have this deep sense of being alone. Is that anybody here? Yeah, God just wants to say to you that actually, and don't, don't hear this wrong, but there's a sense in which that's an illusion because he's promised that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And so it's like a cloud. It doesn't belong to you. And this morning it's going to lift off. Okay. And the other thing was, um, <clears throat> I felt like a lack of hope. Deep inside, you've, you've actually come this morning, but you're quite close to giving up. You feel, and, and you haven't actually told anyone yet. <laughs> you're a bit embarrassed, but actually you're just, you feel like you're clinging on by the sort of, <laughs> your, your fingernails, <laughs> you're clinging on. Um, and you, feel, you, feel, you even feel ashamed this morning that you feel like that, but, but actually... The Lord's brought you here this morning and he's going, to, he's going to break into that. That again is not, that's actually not your inheritance. He's got something really great for you in your life. Is that anyone here? Okay, thank you. Um, just someone came up to me during worship and uh, just said that there's a feel of somebody here with a, a pain, discomfort in the right-hand side, um, and God's going to heal you today. So uh, if you want to feel that's for them, um, again, we're going to pray into that too. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, I think... Um, 
What, what I want to do, I want to pray in two ways, and we need both of these things, okay? Because in all these things, there's us. There's the person. We, 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 we need a lot of love. We need a lot of encouragement. We need the help and the presence and the peace of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, Jesus died for people. He loves people. So I'm going to pray a prayer which is more like a pastoral prayer, if you like, that, that the Lord will come alongside us. But then I'm going to pray a prayer exercising our authority, where I'm not speaking so much to you as, uh, as to the principalities and powers and, uh, and, and breaking the things that are holding, us, are holding us back. So would you all like to stand? And so you, you know who you are if you've put your hand up. And uh, bless you so much if there were two or three things. I know there were some people, yes, that's me. Oh, that's me again. That's me again. Uh, you know, well done. Well done. Well, we only ever come to God in weakness and, 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 and need. But he is so glorious. Lord, I, I thank you for this lovely group of people, Lord. And uh, I pray, Jesus, bless each one, Lord, every leader, every member, Lord God. Uh, I thank you that you are at work here, Lord God. I thank you your love is within this place, Lord. And, uh, and I want to speak into these situations that have been named, Lord. Lord, if, it, if, it's, if it's peace, then, uh, Lord, I, I speak peace, Lord. Uh, if it's reconciliation, I pray, bring reconciliation, Lord. Lord, if it's, if it's understanding and revelation that is needed, uh, Lord, I speak that, that revelation. Uh, Lord Jesus, the broken relationships, I, I pray give wisdom as to what to do and what to pray to mend those relationships, Lord. Lord, those who are not sleeping because of uh, emotional turmoil, uh, Lord God, I pray come alongside us, Lord. Come alongside us. Thank you that you are the God who is with us through dark valleys, as well as the God who, who uh, causes us to lie down in green pastures and beside still waters. You are with us, Lord. And I, I just want to speak like a confidence into our hearts, Lord God, and, and into our minds, that we would know who we are, and, and even more than that, Lord, we'd know who you are and your, your amazing love for us, Lord God, that we're who we are because of what you say about us, Lord, that you love us so much, Lord. And I just want to make this statement that I heard from somebody once. Separation from God is an illusion. Um, I, I, we do care what we feel, but if you feel far from God, it's an illusion. You're in Christ. <laughs> You're already in Christ because of what he's done. And absolutely, Nothing can change that. And I just want to pray like a confidence, Lord, into us, Lord. A confidence of, of your presence and your power and your love. But Lord Jesus, we also um, stand together and we take authority, Lord, against every lie of the enemy. And we rebuke those lies, Lord. We rebuke those lies. And I speak and I release your truth, Lord. I pray, Jesus, you'd give us a hunger for your word, that the, that, uh, the truths of your word might come, come flooding to us, Lord God. Lord, I, I speak a revelation, Lord, where there's been confusion. Um, and, and uh, uh, Lord, we don't know what to do. I pray for an opening of our eyes, Lord, to what a situation is really like, whether it's in other people or within, within ourselves, Lord God. 
Lord, I, I pray for broken relationships to be restored. Lord, I, I come against any work of the enemy which is keeping people apart, which is keeping people's hearts hard. So I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to apologize. I come against that in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you would soften things, uh, soften people's hearts and restore them, Lord. Uh, Lord, I come against any oppression from the enemy uh, of people who are in turmoil and, and especially not, not sleeping. And I break the power of that. And I remind you, Satan, you have no authority over these people. Jesus is the one in charge. And Jesus is for them and loves them and is with them and is in them. And, and there is no way that you can stay here. So we command you to go, Satan, in Jesus' name. And in particular, Lord, I pray for those uh, hearing uh, those, those voices. Jesus, I pray that you, I pray for these situations to be unpicked. That, uh, God, that you, you would show uh, how this started, what happened, why this is, can be. I thank you, God, you've given us every tool that we need. And, and uh, I pray for freedom today, but I, I pray, Lord, if that freedom is going to be more of a, a process then I, I speak uh, the beginning of that process, the beginning of that journey today, uh, in Jesus' name. And uh, Jesus, Lord, I just want to gather all this up, Lord, and, uh, and, and, and say, Lord, you are the risen one. You are the glorious one, Lord God. Lord, take our eyes off ourselves, off our circumstances, and onto you, our wonderful and glorious King. We exhort you, Jesus. We come under your authority and under your goodness, Lord. Uh, oh, Lord God, keep working in our hearts, Lord. Keep working in this church, Lord. Uh, bring about the wonderful things that you have decreed and prepared for them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Okay, would you like to take your seats? And um, I'll hand back to Keith in just a se second, but... You know, just to say to you, like, I, I've done this in a certain way today. There's no, like, one right way of doing things. Sometimes, as I'm sure you do, you know, you'll get people praying for one another. It, I, I've, I pray for the front really more just because of time. Uh, it's not because I'm the only one with the authority. You have authority with one another, and I want to encourage you. So if you've put your hand up, could I, could I particularly encourage you to get uh, either some more prayer this morning? From, it doesn't have to be from me and Helen people you trust, or, uh, you know, during the week, whatever it is, do make sure that you, you take this, this further. Um, I would like to chat to um, the, the one or two people who are hearing voices in your head. If you felt confident enough to come to me, otherwise go to Keith sometime. He won't mind me saying that.